Welcome to the Back to Square Quan podcast with your host Chong and Kedrick. This is a podcast where we will have conversations about training, nutrition, and philosophy, taking you back to square one. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Welcome to the Back to Square Quan podcast, and today we. I believe this is our first guest whose cameras or rec- isn't actually being recorded indoors, uh, which is always a nice sight to see, especially if you are living in uh, in Auckland right now, where basically everyone is stuck indoors. Uh, Mr. Chris Kennedy, welcome on board. Um, as some of you might have figured out from my Instagram post, which my very, very measly followers uh, Chris has a lot of experience in many, many areas, um, not just in terms of powerlifting, which he's obviously had a very good success with Kedrick as his coach, I believe, um, during his stint. And now he's doing all kinds of crazy shit. And I think I believe you're back in uni as well. Uh, kind of, yeah. Just like filling in time over lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, fair enough. Well, for those who don't know who you are, man, uh, maybe give a give our listeners or viewers a little bit of an introduction of who you are, what are you currently doing? Um, yeah, and we'll just kind of go from there. Um, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Chris, like just like Chong said, uh, like I think like most people know me for powerlifting like because I, I competed on powerlifting for a couple of years um under kedrick like most noticeably recently uh 2020 which was a really awesome year in powerlifting um before powerlifting i did a little bit of bodybuilding for a couple of years um and then now i'm kind of dabbling in mixed martial arts which is kind of my next journey um but yeah currently in auckland in lockdown so this is about as exciting as it's been for a wee while. So yeah, sure. that's my current status. <laughs> that's that's good. I mean, like at least we can hear some birds chirping. I'm pretty sure that's from you. And because I there's no birds around my area and Chung is indoors. So uh, it showing <laughs> all our listeners uh the beauty of New Zealand and how things are during lockdown, I guess. But yeah, I I definitely think that you have uh very diverse uh sporting background you know like the, the one thing that comes to my mind is that people often say like oh jack of all trades master of none but i would like for you you kind of like challenge that notion a little bit because you are you were quite successful in uh almost all your sporting uh avenues so maybe you can share with us what's the highest achievement you have achieved in your respective sporting avenues i think you if I'm not mistaken as well, you also did some form of uh, Taekwondo uh, before, mm-hmm. right? So yep. maybe you can yep. like highlight on all of that. And I knew you probably wanted to be uh, New Zealand's version of Tony Hawk as well. So yes, I was, share. Gonna, I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, don't miss out on the skateboarding, man. Yeah, you can share a little bit about your, your, your skateboarding stuff. And yeah, and just let us know what is like the highest achievement you have reached in your respective uh, sports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like the very first thing that I dabbled with was skateboarding. That was when I was like, oh, I was so much more younger, like 14, I think I started that one. Um, so in skateboarding, I, I only entered, I think a total of three competitions. Cause like back then skateboarding wasn't really, well, it was still probably isn't actually really that big in New Zealand currently. 
Um, but back then I entered a three competitions over the course of probably or maybe like four years. Um, and out of those competitions in each one of those, I placed either second or I got a best trick. Um, cause I would usually do like first, second, third, and then they'll do like a best trick, um, comp- uh, prize as well. So I've managed to get best trick a few times in Ashburton and Timaru, which is where I competed. Um, so skateboarding competitions, they were just like, you're just kind of wing or plan what you're going to do you'll just go around doing a few tricks and trying to land as much as you can um or you'll end up trying to do one crazy thing to try and nail the best trick um prize um but after skateboarding i dabbled in taekwondo for a couple of years so in taekwondo i competed regionally which um i got gold a few times in south island which was uh in dunedin and then we also had a south island championships which were both national qualifiers um i mean i competed nationally for taekwondo as well for two years in a row and and won nationals in two different weight divisions um after taekwondo i dabbled in bodybuilding uh, which was a few years later and your bodybuilding was pretty much the same thing i just dabbled uh, regionally, which was in Christchurch and Dunedin, which were both national qualifiers, and I competed nationally um, twice as well, which once I won, and the second time I I actually can't remember. I think I might have got second, and um, yeah. So that was two years, I'm pretty sure, that I dabbled in that. Um, and then after bodybuilding, which is when I went into powerlifting and yeah, powerlifting, the highest competition that I competed in was uh, world championships in Sweden. That was in 2019. Um, I placed six at world championships, which is, yeah, that was uh, kind of the spark that made me really, really want to go even further in powerlifting. And then which led me to 2020 under Kedrick where I, um, managed to get that 755 yep. kilo total, I think, um, which put me at the time, I think like fourth highest total in 74s. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the highest point that I got with, um, powerlifting, which made me like feel happy with like leaving. Cause I feel like achieved, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, now into mixed martial arts which i've only competed once uh, i won my fight in july this year and yeah i was pretty excited to see how far i can push that one mm. a lot of uh a lot of accolades there mate and especially being in uh you know achieving them in in multi multi sort of sports just kind of like kedrick said you know jack of all trades master of none and i'm sure you're you know for the most part after listening to all of that most people could probably agree that you know it's not just about jack of all trades, but you probably have succeeded in most of those trades uh, to quite some degree. Uh, but I'd like to kind of potentially explore a little bit more into that as well, uh, Chris, if you don't mind, because I know obviously, and I know this is a big part of your life journey, um, obviously being very, very involved in competing at very, very high levels and succeeding. 
you are not only someone who has achieved, you know, for, for academic standards, I would say pretty, pretty high compared to like an average person. I believe you hold a uh masters uh, correct me if i'm wrong i'm not too sure like where are we at now academically in terms of the hierarchy yeah. <laughs> um this master's one exercise for AUC. yeah so you know i, I know that you obviously hold a, a master's degree so academically you know he's not just a strong and fast and agile dude he's also a very smart guy um and i also know that you obviously had a past uh being in prison and having a bit of a life there as well and I was just wondering if you don't mind to share, like, are there potentially sort of like any lessons that have come out of prison that potentially you are able, that you were able to sort of translate to who you are now? Because I'm sure that, you know, being in prison is always going to be like a life changing thing. You know, mm. not saying that everyone should go to prison. That's really weird. <laughs> but uh, surely there were some lessons that you came out and, um, you know, you were like, oh, shit, like, that was actually quite an eye-opener. You know, I want to kind of do something in my life. And, you know, I'm sure most people can relate. Um, but I think you took that to, like, a very, very next level. So, yeah, what were some things that you experienced that you thought were, huh, you know, actually, this is something I want to kind of adapt or adopt, actually. That would be the right word. Um, oh, there was many lessons that... I kind of took away from it, which I don't even, to be honest, know where to start. But the one thing that really stood out for me that helped me a lot was getting to know yourself a lot in there, which um, I think it's like the biggest factor that helped me kind of turn my stuff around because in prison, you know, obviously you have a lot of time to think because you don't really have much else to do. Like, it's almost like what we're doing right now in lockdown. You kind of spend a lot of time in your head, but imagine that without the supermarkets and TV and um, being able to text your friends and everything else that you can still do in lockdown. So you do spend a lot of time in your head, which allows you to get to know yourself a lot, which, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that helped me is, yeah, getting to know myself, which I think everyone should be able to do it at some point in their life which is tough because it involves like getting rid of every other kind of distraction that can kind of distract you from getting to know yourself because like, i don't know about anybody else but personally i tend to like adapt myself depending on who i'm kind of hanging out with um which you know it's good for like uh how do you say like connecting with people but then because you're kind of adapting your personality to kind of be able to hang around them, you kind of lose yourself a little bit, if that kind of makes sense, because you're not truly yourself. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. That's a terrible explanation, but like... Yeah, totally, that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> but, you know, like when you're by yourself at home, like, I don't know, like I don't, I don't do this, but like, you know, if you like sing in the shower or like do some weird stuff when you're like, in your bedroom by yourself or at home alone or whatever stuff that you normally wouldn't do when you're around other people right and that's like when you're truly your your actual self because you're just letting loose and being who you are because nobody else is watching and you have no expectations of 
people that are around you or trying to please anybody or anything like that. So that's kind of what prison allows you to do for a long period of time is, you know, being yourself by yourself and, I don't know, do, do weird stuff that you normally wouldn't do. Like, not necessarily like weird stuff, but like just... Different. I don't know. Yeah, different. Like stuff that you normally wouldn't do when other people are around. Mm. Yeah, I think that from the sheer fact of how you mentioned, I it, it is very different, uh, I think, because uh, when I am hearing what you're saying, and if I'm not mistaken, you actually uh, went into prison at a fairly young age. When I mean young, I don't mean five years old. I mean, like, young enough to be admitted to prison, right? Because <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure if you do something wrong when you're five, you just go to get disciplined. Well, you parents. get you get spanked. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> with the fucking so, shoe right in the back of the head. When, <laughs> when when you went into prison, I, I think that I, I think something that's really important to point out would be the difference in realities, right? So prison is kind of like uh, a very isolated rea- reality, you know, like everything happens within the walls, not you mm-hmm. what you do doesn't really impact anything outside the walls. And most of the time, it actually doesn't even impact your immediate surrounding because the immediate surrounding is so controlled, right? So when you, But when you go out to the world, uh, whatever you do would probably impact the environment and uh, or you have, or it has the capacity to impact the environment because one, now you're no longer uh, interacting with, you're interacting with people and you're not just being by yourself and anything that you do could possibly uh, uh have repercussions uh, mm. or just an effect on the immediate environment, whereas prison is very different. So I'm mm. curious to know that uh, after uh, uh, leaving pre- prison, what mm. were some of the biggest changes that you needed to make to adjust back to a different reality, right? So because like I said, you know, in prison, you're all by yourself. Like you sing in the shower, you do whatever things you want to do or you want to stand on your head like 10 uh like every stand on your head for 10 minutes uh, every hour right nobody would probably care but when you do that outside in the world that's very different so what are some of the biggest adjustments you had to face when adjusting back to a different reality outside of prison um so many things to be honest like the biggest thing was like the um unpredictable side of being out here because inside prison you you kind of don't have to think as much about a lot of things because your routine is predetermined for you from the system that you're in. Like you, you wake up at the exact same time for roll call. You have breakfast at the exact same time. You have lunch at the exact same time. Like you hardly even open doors in there because they get opened for you at certain times of the day. Whereas out here, it's like, you have to get adjusted to like know when to eat breakfast and when to have lunch and when to have dinner and you have to remember again like when you're hungry or when you're not hungry um or like yeah like you actually have to plan things out here compared to inside there which was the toughest thing for the first few years because for the first well, definitely for the first year like i i hid away in my room because that's like the comfortable side of it whereas when you actually have to deal with society again you have to like use door handles like open doors and go get your own food and 
earn money and like I don't know all, all these small things they kind of add up that don't seem like much because we do that regularly out here like nowadays it, that's not something that I think twice about but like back then it's like you go to the supermarket and you feel like you're escaping from somewhere because you're not supposed to be there because you know you're so used to being confined in a space so um i think that was the hardest thing to adjust to was yeah just being free like in a nutshell mm. pretty much yeah it's it's interesting that you actually just said that about like it, it's so hard to just being free because i think and and i guess this is kind of like a very timely sort of like thing with uh i guess particularly more specifically like new zealand in general where you know obviously america has had their their stint you know europe has uk had their stint and now it's kind of like us going through like you know auckland particularly like you know 12 16 weeks and everyone's like oh freedom and stuff but i always kind of give people the impression of like you know like sometimes when you are given real freedom or when you Mm. actually experience freedom uh after coming out from like confinement and and i guess in your case it's like super extremes right like we're we're in four walls four concrete walls Mm. and now we don't have them it's like you sometimes Mm. just get lost like you don't really know what to do and it's like it's just like i I like to call like just you're just being is anxiety attacks you just because you're free kind of thing and most people tend to think like oh freedom means like i get whatever i want but it's like Yes, but that's basic. If there's freedom without rules, that's anarchy. <laughs> it's 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 interesting. Yeah, like if it was if freedom was specific, it would be a lot more easier. But because like freedom isn't specific, it's like where do I start? Because like hmm. you spend a lot of time in there being like, and maybe people were doing that as well during lockdown. It's like, what's the first thing you're gonna get when we get down to level three? So you can like, what's the first takeaway you're gonna get? And then as soon as level three hits, you're like, shit, what do I feel like? Like, there's so many options. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And it was exactly like that. It's like, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get out? And you're like, oh, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I mean, as soon as I, like, walked outside of the doors, I was like, shit, like, what do I do? Like, where do I start? Like, I literally sat outside the, when I walked outside prison, I sat outside for a few hours because I I was stunned on what to do. It's like, you know, freedom is just way too broad. Mm. The longer you, the longer you spend like thinking about it, the the more options kind of come up, and you're like, you can't do all those options at once. <laughs> you can't get all those Uber Eats at once. You have to go one at a time. You know. True. <laughs> it is quite interesting because, like, it make like what what you mentioned. Uh, at least your experience uh, kind of reminds me of this. Uh, allegory right called uh, allegory of the cave right it's uh by plato and essentially the allegory of the the cave is uh, a bunch of people like like prisoners who are chained against like the wall or rock they are inside and the cave is dark and they have been there like for as long as they can remember and what they see images of like uh, there's a fire lit behind like them and then they see images which is actually projections of like uh like you know, those like stick figures and stuff like that. So they don't actually see actual images. All they see uh, are, are shadows. But one day a prisoner got free and he actually went out of the cave and outside the cave was sunlight and it was really bright. So he actually, it actually hurt his eyes, right? So upon hurting his eyes, he couldn't see much. And then he had to cover his eyes and like slowly just peek through like maybe the fingers, the crack of his fingers. And at first what he saw was still like shadows. 
and like mm. figures that are blurred. But as when his eyes actually got adjusted to the, the sunlight, he then saw people, he saw trees, he saw like water, he saw things that are a whole, like it's a whole different world, right? And as he explored mm. all of this, and then he, he'll be like coming back to, to, to telling he wanted to te- uh, come back and tell the prisoners, his other fr- prisoners that, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to be free, right? Uh, but then when he went back into the cave, he cannot see anymore because his eyes are no longer accustomed to the dark, right? And then uh, the his prisoners then uh, concluded that they don't want to leave because they think like the outside world have made him less because now mm. first he was able to see the dark, Right. But mm-hmm. now he's not. So to their perception, they're like, man, you've just became worse because now like, we can see, but you're blind, right? So um, Yeah, that's so interesting. It, yeah, that's a re- really like interesting uh, allegory of the cave. And it, it kind of, I mean, it, it talks a little bit about like, like philosophers and like uh, how like there's different levels of like education, different tiers and each cave, each tier represents uh, di- like different, symbolizes different things. But I guess, in our current context as well, like adjusting, you mentioned that the first year you 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 actually stayed in your room for the first year, and you you could have stayed in your room right forever, right? Let's just say, uh, if you in a hypothetical situation, you do all your work online, right, and you basically you, you make your money online, online, everything online, and you basically order Uber Eats. You could literally just stay in your room for the rest of your life and not actually go out of the world, you know go out to see the, yeah. the actual world right so it kind of like reminds me of that and that adjustment period because when you said what struck me was the saying that oh i needed to understand what it feels like to be free and for some people people have been so used to actually uh being uh not free or trapped right they that that is the, the state of comfort they're in and then they don't want to be free or break free from that because sometimes it's just mm-hmm. too difficult you know and for you, mm. clearly that wasn't the case because we're having this conversation right now. Uh, clearly, you're not mm-hmm. in your room, right? Uh, yeah. So mm. we, we, we do see that adjustment period. And I think it's the same thing with, uh, with sports as well. Going back to what, what you have said, right? From transitioning to powerlifting to uh, uh, combat sports like mixed martial arts, you are essentially mm. leaving your comfort zone of being one of the best lifters in New Zealand, going to a completely... Mm. Uh, almost like different feel and starting from almost like scratch you know you are definitely not uh like the like the comparison of the top powerlifter in new zealand would be in the mixed martial arts space would be like israel adesanya or uh like hangman hooker and all that but now you're going like be way way below you know from that level to that level and some people in uh in their uh, like their desire to pursue something new but not being able to start from scratch or not willing to start from scratch is the thing that often holds them back so i mm. i see like a, a very like sharp parallel here so maybe you can share with us a little bit because we, i think the theme that we are kind of like talking uh, in this podcast a lot will revolve around change so how do you mm. like accept change because I know when I was coaching you, you were like, cool, right? We were like riding the, the wave, you know? And you were like, cool. Everybody literally, like people message me, man, you're doing such a good job with Chris. He can like, I mean, like 
he can take on like the best in the world, right? Maybe even take on Taylor Edward and all that keeps like coming in. And I'm sure the compliments sometimes it makes, yeah, it makes me as a coach feel good about what I'm doing. It makes you as a lifter feel good, but to let all of that go, right. To start from scratch. What, uh, what were some of like the thoughts that you faced or maybe like the thoughts that held you back. And then maybe you can share with us, how did you mm-hmm. overcome those thoughts that were holding you back to pursue what you actually want? Oh, it's a tough question. Well, I need I need like a second on this one. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I just gave, like I just gave all a bunch of Kedrick, bunch Kedrick, of Kedrick went like oh, and Kedrick like hey, Kedrick had like the meme, you know, the lady in the meme with like the math equations coming out. He went like this, this, and this, and this. <laughs> Chris is like, I'm not ready. Uh, um, like in regards to like issues from starting from scratch, like. I don't know if I have many of those because I I really enjoy the process of like starting from the bottom and then coming back up and I kind of feel like I've got something internal where like I don't know I'm kind of basing a lot of stuff about like going back to the prison thing like getting out of prison and then like being at the bottom and then making my way back up again like I I think I've kind of got something like that in my head somewhere where I kind of enjoy the process of starting from the bottom and um trying to see how far i can actually take it and i kind of think that's why i like dabbled in so many different things because i don't know i think i just enjoy that so i don't think there was any issues with like leaving the top to go back to the bottom and then starting back up again um if anything like the only issues would be like i don't know like when I was a bit more like engaged in social media, like which I'm not really anymore, but the initial part of like not being really present anymore on on Instagram because like on with lifting and that I've gone so much of a routine of like posting like yeah pretty much yeah, every it's like a it's like a pow- <laughs> it's like a powerlifters habit I think <laughs> it yeah. just seems like it just seems like a powerlifting habit I'm guilty I'm guilty yeah. like you you do a workout you post it like otherwise it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah true <laughs> but like with um this new journey it's like almost non-existent like because mm. i can't just film the class because there's other people in the class like <laughs> but whereas powerlifting being such a solo sport um you can kind of do all that so i think that was like the only thing to really adjust to was like not posting workouts so technically not working out um but yeah i don't know i don't even know if that answered the question to be honest <laughs> what was the second question so yeah i guess it's more about like not just in terms of the specific uh the specific notion of what was the biggest change that you had to overcome but more like the mindset thing right i do think that humans like as people we go through uh, changes we like different phases of life right i mean even when we look at like physiological processes that we have right we humans we, we go through like as a baby we go to like adolescents teenagers right that itself if we don't that is change that we have to undergo even though we are completely not willing you know right the only way you cannot undergo that kind of change is if you just die right and you die in that phase then after adolescence for males and we probably uh brain like develops a little bit better when you're 25 maybe females like females slightly earlier and then you go to adulthood and then from adulthood you 
uh you waste like, away <laughs> yeah you, you you basically just go through like that like like parenthood or you know after that so there are different phases of life people go through and every phase mm. of life people go to change right so those are the, the change mm. that people go through that's kind of like natural but for you you kind of like have to embrace change because it, it's not natural for powerlifting to transition to MMA, right? It's natural for powerlifting to transition to Masters 1, Masters 2 because you're just kind of like going with the natural progression of things. But then you sort of embrace change that was not, it's not a necessary change in the sport, right? And mm, fairly, a fairly tangential one as well. I might yeah. So, so for me, it's just like kind of understanding like, uh, I would say that if you would categorize your life, it's basically a life full of change, you know? Uh, and uh, I would I would like to think, and I also I I think that it's true that that change for you have has been largely positive, right? It's like a positive trajectory, mm-hmm. but where that trajectory is pointed is kind of determined by where we want, uh, how we would uh, take that change as well, right? Uh, how are we going to mm-hmm. approach the change? So, like for me, my biggest question is like, cool, how do you know that changing mm-hmm. from powerlifting to mixed martial arts was the right change for you? You know. And there will always be that doubt, right? Because like you said, you are going from... Well, basically world-class. Yeah, world-class to a nobody in MMA because your hope is to be... You You did say you only had one fight. So I, I'm not like I'm not completely discrediting you in any way, but you only had one fight and that is, you won the fight. But like with lockdown and stuff, you haven't been fighting as much and being completely new is natural to be... Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool. I, my achievements and accolades will not be as high as something that I am kind of a pioneer... Or, or experience in right in the sport so mm-hmm. what was like how do you know that was like the right choice for you you know yeah um that's that's the other thing as well that i like is that i like i never know if it's the right choice but like i i figured that like i, I wouldn't know unless i try kind of like mentality like because mm. i know that i can always well i would hope that i can always go back to powerlifting <laughs> later on um but with things like this like because mma has been it's kind of always pondered on my mind like i have dabbled in a couple of classes and that like ages ago and like the training that we did inside prison was pretty much like fight training um with like pads jandals with pads and stuff like that so like in the back of my mind combat sports has always interested me um and i had been meaning like after world championships actually when i was over in sweden i had actually intended to um go into kickboxing after that but i know i keep on getting drawn back into powerlifting because there was always like another cool competition in there coming up and like you know i I love powerlifting as well so that's kind of the thing that kept me there for a little while but in the back of my head like the curiosity of going into combat sports has always kind of been there and only just recently I just kind of like really started to think that time, you know, could be running out on this kind of part. Whereas with powerlifting, I like, okay, so this, this is my theory. So with, um, MMA in that, like the time span of it is a, a little bit shorter for me to kind of do anything with. Whereas with powerlifting, the, the time spans a little bit longer. Yep. If that kind of yep. makes sense. I think yep. from like so an injury okay. perspective as well, if you get injured now, your recovery yeah. is probably, you, the chances of you recovering are a lot better than 
you know, when you're 60 and doing MMA versus, you know, if you look at people like Dave Ricks, <laughs> you know, you guys are doing powerlifting and he's, uh, he's creeping in on that, on that Santa age, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I can just like, I can visualize myself doing powerlifting at like 35 or 36 or 37 or 40 plus, but I can't visualize myself doing like mixed martial arts at like 45 years old or mm. 40 years old and that. So my my thought behind it was that I kind of want to dabble in it now, see if I can do anything with it or, you know, if I really do start to enjoy it and stick with it for as long as my body kind of lets me and then come back into powerlifting later on and hopefully, like, you know, pick something back up from where I left off or do something as a master's lifter or, you know, something along those lines there. So the reason of doing it now is just to kind of, you know, tick off that curiosity behind mixed martial arts. And, you know, that's the only way I'm really going to know, because if I don't and I leave it till later on when I am too old, I'm, I don't know, it might make me sad. You're not, not going to get the full Monty of it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll always be like, what if, you know, so yeah. I'm just trying to like tick that off right now while I can. And power thing's not going anywhere. It's always going to be there. So I can always go back. So mm. yeah, it makes it a little bit easier when I think about it like that. Hmm. that's cool because like I, I felt like i don't know, call it call it stars align call it fate or whatever hmm. like um i've been um i've been using uh a book like the daily stoic which basically i just kind of read like a page a day and it's it's it kind of sets the tone and it like solidifies like because one of the the quotes from marcus aurelius today was uh you know there is no evil in things changing you know just as there is no good in persisting in a new state so essentially it's just like change will happen it's the and i think as, as you put it right like you wouldn't know whether it's going to be a positive change because like kedrick said you only had one fight what if the fight went bad it could have it could have left a bad taste in your mouth obviously the fight went good yeah. Uh, and it could mm. it could have been a bad change, um, but I guess mm. at that point in time you wouldn't have known whether the change was going to be like a negative impact or positive. It was just like, hey, I'm kind of curious, and and I guess the way you put it makes like very very logical sense. And, and like you know, thinking about like injury and and getting hit full force when you're younger versus like when you're like 40, it's like yeah, you know, yeah. I have I have the time now. If I make that change, it is a logical change, regardless of whether. The, the the outcome is a negative or a positive one because in in your head i guess from from what you're saying is that the outcome of me doing this now mm. the, the either the negatives or the positives of it would not be as big either plus either mm-hmm. positive or negative when i'm 40 because i'm not going to experience it uh, in your head yeah. at least i'm not going to experience it as now whereas the powerlifting mm. for you is like I've I have been at the top. I know what it feels like, and mm. obviously, you know, with Kedrick behind you during that period of time, you obviously learn and understand. You know, and Kedrick, I know you've coached a couple of masters lifters as well. So obviously, you know, like Chris, you obviously kind of like, oh shit, like you know, these old people are actually doing really well in your head, like mentally, mm. like okay, cool, like I can see that a lot of powerlifters actually have a long, quote unquote, like mm. lifespan in in the sport. Whereas with MMA, mm. we see the top fighters out there like 35 is kind of like 
man, you're old. <laughs> yeah, man, 35, you're old, you know? And if you think about it, like, I don't know where, like, I'm I'm 27 and I'm sure, like, you guys are kind of, like, getting close to the thing. We're all getting, like, in the middle of ground. It's like, if we were going to do MMA, really, we only have a couple years left before uh, it, it really takes a toll on our body and you know, we can't really sort of recover from it. So I think, yeah, like what you said, I think that's cool because change... Yeah. It, nobody will really know what's going to happen if you decide to take that that tangent change or even just slight change you can't really predict yeah. but it's just like okay cool yeah. like this is something i want to do uh you know i will foresee the negatives of it you know there are going to be positives of it but mm. i think like you said it's sort of reflecting back on you know that that hour coming out of prison like such a drastic change it's like you don't really know what to expect you kind of just have to roll with it and see where it goes <laughs> yeah well you, you don't know until you know because like yeah. when if you're like i could stay in powerlifting and stay in my comfort zone and i know i could probably do a lot more better if i stayed there but like it becomes a little bit not not predictable predictable because i could just stay the same strength the whole way but i kind of know what i'm going to be doing like going forward and i guess if we link this back to like prison and all that kind of stuff like at that time when i got out of prison was my comfort zone and society was the the change or the the new thing so like if i didn't be like wanting to get out of their comfort zone then i don't know maybe i would have ended up back inside prison or like yeah i think that's like a very that's like the very i guess not necessarily corny but i think that's the reality right (laughs) like there's a lot of people who who were in prison before they they went into prison they got out of prison they see society and then all of a sudden society's like that the change is just too big and i guess obviously context here matters right because like from powerlifting to mma and going back to powerlifting it's not like go to prison come out of prison and go back to prison again but i think that's also (laughs) interesting because like i hear this a lot and i'm sure you probably have heard a couple stories yourself where like people come out of prison and they're like man, I just don't like the outside world and they commit a crime, not necessarily because they, they, they need to commit a crime, but they basically commit a crime in order to like, fuck, prison was so much more comfortable. I'm just going to go back in, you know? Like, why would I want to deal with earning money and, 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 and voting and, and all this kind of shit? You know, I'm just going to go back in because that was so comfortable. Exactly. And that, that's exactly what, what creates that cycle as well is that, people get stuck in their comfort zones in there regardless if we perceive it as negative or positive because from a society's perspective your view like prison is negative right so like everyone that's like a normal citizen will be like why would anyone want to go back in there but to them it's like comfort zone so like it's the complete opposite like in mindset same thing with the powerlifting thing as well like some people will be like why would you want to like leave powerlifting and go into something else when you're already at the top but it's like yeah i don't know it's just multiple ways of like looking at change and mm. being comfortable with like leaving your comfort zone because it's not always going to be going anywhere sometimes it's going to be there the barbell is always going to be there mm. i hope <laughs> yeah i i think a big thing to kind of like put in perspective as well is uh when we talk about prison we talk and someone in prison versus out of prison uh, subjectively, mm-hmm. they may perceive uh, they may perceive uh, their immediate state to be uh, negative once they come out. You know, it's just like cool. 
mm. right? I've been so used to prison, right? Now I have this like, mm. my subjective state is actually really poor. But what made me think about that essentially is why people actually look at uh, it as absolutely in a beneficial sense for someone in prison, uh, all things being equal and someone out of prison, right? Uh, all things being mm. equal. Um, the person out of prison is more like, has so, so-called categorized under having a better life is because they have certain rights. They have more rights, right? Like in prison, you like uh, you you basically are confined in that four walls. So your rights are severely limited, which means that even if you want to pursue something, you can't because mm-hmm. you do not have the right to. You know, but when you're out of prison, you have certain rights to pursue something. Mm-hmm. But what I also think is that with certain rights comes like comes responsibility, you know? So let's just say, hey, Chris, you have the right to be a good MMA fighter. That doesn't mean that you just go in and say, I am the best MMA fighter. It's that you have the right to train to be an MMA fighter, right? So it uh-huh. the, the right to be something comes with certain responsibilities as well. And mm-hmm. when someone is in prison, they usually, like I said, you don't even have to open the door, right? You're not even yeah. responsible for opening your own door, right? Which, But if you think about it, it's not because you are a king in the prison is because you do not have the right to open the door, right? And therefore, you, you take away that responsibility as well. But when it comes out, people can just be so overwhelmed, not by the rights that they have, because technically, with that set of uh, new with freedom, actually, it essentially entails people having rights. But with that rights entails responsibility, people just get so overwhelmed, like all these responsibilities that they don't really know what to do, you know? So it's, it's when, like it's that great quote of uh, Spider Man and Uncle Ben with, with yeah. great power comes great responsibility, <laughs> yep. you know, and yeah. uh, probably should like insert with great power and freedom and rights <laughs> yeah. comes great responsibility, and I think Kendrick, yeah, yeah. definitely hit hit the nail in the coffin on that one. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's like when you're a powerlifter, right? Like, cool, you, you as a powerlifter, you have the right to be an MMA fighter, but that doesn't mean that you are immediately going to be a, like a good MMA fighter but not with that right you have the responsibility to train hard to do it well and then see where that uh, where, where, where that takes you so it, it is but like I said some people are not willing to embrace that new responsibility because that is something that they are not used to whereas like you said powerlifting you mentioned the word predictable and you said you don't really think it's predictable but it's just really something that you're used to you're used to bearing that responsibility of a powerlifter right but switching over to a different spot you now have a new responsibility and some people just don't uncomfortable with taking on a new responsibility do you uh do you think i'm like sort of like illustrating uh your 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 thought process on what if on yeah, this now that, yeah. that, now that that definitely um yeah that definitely uh kind of like aligns with the way that i view it as well um i think that aligns with the way that a lot of other people view it as well which is why some people do stay with their their comfortable responsibilities as opposed to by taking on more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like when I when I look at yourself, you uh you t- you sort sort of like share your achievements post prison, and I think that's uh, really good, inspiring. But none of those responsibilities, none of those sort of like achievements were given to you or fed to you on a on a like a silver spoon. You had you were responsible to chase those, you know? So while yeah. it, people often think, oh man, dude, this life, this guy's life is great after prison, you know, blah, 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 blah. But people have to understand that what prison does is that prison removes 
the responsibility from you because it also removes the rights, which means that even if you want to be successful, you probably are, you are severely limited, right? But when you come out, yeah. you have all these options in front of you, like you did your master's, uh, mm-hmm. you pursued this, this spot, that spot, right? All of that was, yeah. you had to bear the responsibility of those and each responsibility we pre- would present its own hardship, you know? So I do think that that is something like really important for people to, uh, to, to understand is that with mm. every, like everything that you, that people go through, right. They have to be responsible for the, for their own actions. And the, the thing yeah. w- with uh, going to prison is also the way it, 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 it is kind of like ironic because prison is in a way like make, it's making you responsible sort of like mm. for the crime you've committed, but, and then, that is sort of like the only responsibility you have now is to sort of like atone for your crimes because anything else you're not responsible. You have zero mm-hmm. responsibility because like you said, you mm-hmm. can't even open your door, you know, right? Yeah. And to some people that'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so free because I only have literally one responsibility and nothing else. But that mm-hmm. really isn't like great, you know? So for, for, for some reasons, like for some reason, it doesn't sound to me like uh, a something to really enjoy is like, oh, I have not only one single responsibility in life and that is to stay in prison, right? Because that is yep. literally your only responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I went a little bit on the, like, my, my brain just like, <laughs> like words still started coming out of my mouth. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Yeah. But I think, uh, but I think, I think that's true, right? I think um, it's this whole idea of like change. I think like, I, I I don't know. I think this is like a just like an anecdotal, like very, very anecdotal observation. I feel like people who are willing to accept change or embrace change generally are the ones that have just the right amount of responsibility. I feel. Yeah. And just, just writing off what Kendrick said, like it's not too much, but it's not too little. Whereas if someone mm-hmm. does have like you know, and, and you know, it's that it's that very very like generic uh, thing of like, I'm a father of four, I'm I'm fifty, I'm overweight, I've got three businesses, and I'm on the board of two things, uh, and I'm the chairperson of this charity. Of like, I've got so much responsibility, and then all of a sudden, like the health goes to shit, and then you're like, well, are you wanting to change? And then they're like, no, I've got just too much shit going on. It's like that's like too much responsibility. And then they can't really accept change. And then on the flip side, on like that super, super extreme end, it's kind of like what you have experienced, I guess, and what Kedrick put into perspective where like you have one job, which is the atone, Mm -hmm. and then you come out and then you're like, what the hell do I do now? (laughs) Like, I I, I don't know where to go, you know? And and you obviously mentioned that that period where you you stayed inside. And I think, um, I, I guess I have this, not necessarily a question, but I guess like I would like to get your thoughts on that. Just writing off what I said there is when, how, how do you know where you have just the right amount of responsibility? Cause, because with, with, with freedom and like Kedrick said, like freedom gives you the liberty of like choices. Choices mm-hmm. means you have to bear responsibility. Now, how does one mm-hmm. go by assessing? Like I need to make, I need to put a little bit of a wall in front of me. So that I don't go chasing mm. too much shit. You know, like where where do you draw the line? Oh, <laughs> well, honestly, I have, I have trouble drawing that line sometimes, to be honest. 
Um, but I think maybe it's when, and this is just like my own little theory, just off the bat just then, is when you're kind of happy with what you're doing. Like, I feel like when when I personally take too many things on at once, I become like less happy. I become like stressed and all that kind of stuff. But when I have just just the right amount of stuff that I'm doing, I'm like, I enjoy what I'm doing. Like I I enjoy the training. I enjoy the reading. I enjoy the studying. I enjoy everything that I'm doing. But when I'm having too many things on, maybe I stop enjoying some gym sessions or like I stop enjoying reading or I stop enjoying stuff that I normally would enjoy if I had less, like, as you say, like responsibilities. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's always going to be a tricky one. Cause I, I do know that some people are able to obviously take on more and some people are able to take on less, but I think it's, it's kind of, you know, I guess for you listeners out there, I think it is important for you to kind of assess like, um, you know, like Chris said, you know, when freedom is taken away from you and you're given one responsibility, like Kedrick put it. Mm. Um, and I guess the, the the scenario I can kind of paint here, particularly for us Aucklanders, is like, look, you know, you're in lockdown. That's the reality. Again, as of this recording, at least, like there isn't a lot of responsibility, but when lockdown does come out, like you will be given quote unquote freedom. Now, what you do with that, you kind of also have to be very careful on like, like picking yeah. your battles, you know, like you can't just like, I'm going to go like, uh, uh, I, I, this example just came in my head. Like, for example, like, I want every single, like, for example, you go from level four to level three and then Uber Eats is allowed, right? You can't just go like, I'm going to order like 10 Uber Eats because I have the, I have, I have the power, you know, I have yeah, the yeah. freedom. I have the right to order 10 Uber Eats at once, at once to my door. But that's yeah. not being very responsible because what happens when you get 10 Uber Eats? Now, chances are you might be able to stomach two orders, but you probably would have to throw yeah. away the eight, uh, the eight away. So, you know, I think, um, yeah. ironically, again, coming back to that great quote by Uncle Ben, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, you know, like you, you have to yeah. really, really understand where to draw the line because undertaking too much, you know, entrepreneurs say this a lot, you know, just outsource yeah. your shit. Yeah, as corny as that sounds, that's probably true. You know, like you can only do so much before, uh, as as you put it, you know, your happiness starts to dwindle away, and you're like stressed and and, and just dissatisfied with everything that you do. Because yeah. like I going think... a little bit further on that part there. Oh, sorry, sorry. Peter. No, go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead first. I've been talking too much anyway. <laughs> All right, this will just be real fast anyway. But like, um, just like leading on to what I did, what I said before, along with what um, Chong just said, is that like when I was saying that if you take on too much and you, you stop enjoying the things that you normally would enjoy, mm. um, if you order those 10 Uber Eats, these 10 different cuisines that you like, um, normally, like, if you had just the right amount, like, just say two, and you got, like, Thai and Indian, you might Good choice. them both and you, you, you enjoy them both, right? <clears throat> um, but just say you got 10 of your favorite cuisines, you might, you might get through, like, your Thai and your Indian and then by the time you get to your like Mexican or Japanese, you you won't like enjoy it as much because you're so true cool from your other ones because you've had too much, right? But if you had just one, just say you just got like Indian or something, you might not be like satisfied enough, like so you you got too little. So it's all about like yeah, finding the balance because mm -hmm. too little you're not happy, too much you're not happy, but just the right amount, like it's just like on point. Mm. Mm. But yeah. I that's not a skill. 
I think I really think that uh, a thing that struck me was uh, when when it comes to um, when you said this now, you know, oh cool, I'm enjoying the training, I'm enjoying the 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 studying, right? I do think that uh, responsibilities is gonna be is is interesting because um, when we select your responsibilities, right? When you select something to do, you select it willingly, you know. So responsibilities mm-hmm. is not just this thing where all so all responsibilities are not equal, right? Mm-hmm. So there are certain responsibilities that are that you have to bear unwillingly. For example, if you're in prison, you're responsible to for serving your time in prison, and mm-hmm. uh, that in a way was maybe yeah, it, it's something that most people would not be willing to do, but it's still categorized under the same like responsibility category. But when you embrace something willingly, it I think mm-hmm. what it provides is that it allows you to derive satisfaction from accomplishing your responsibilities, you know? So mm. people will be like, cool, right? For example, tr- uh, training and climbing Mount Everest, right? It's not exactly the most pleasurable thing on its own. It's going to be hard. You pro- might probably die, but people derive satisfaction from fulfilling that responsibility that they have set up for themselves. And something mm-hmm. uh, Chung mentioned just now, so I think with every... Uh, like satisfaction that you embrace there's a correlative like dissatisfaction in the sense that if you picked up too much responsibilities you risk the dissatisfaction of not fulfill, not being able to fulfill the responsibilities that you picked up right if you have 10 things on your plate right you only manage to finish 4 means that you have like 6 others where you cannot finish and that drives mm. dissatisfaction on your end so you're, you're beating yourself up because you're like man I cannot accomplish what I'm setting what I have set out to do, you know, but whereas if you pick up that four, you derive that satisfaction, right? And then that dissatisfaction doesn't actually override the satisfaction, which is why I think it's like really important. And, you know, picking, going back to the whole conversation and like the whole responsibility things is that with prison, you don't pick your responsibility. So even if you fulfill it, you're not fulfilling a responsibility of your choice. But when you go out, like say you select the sport, for example, you know, uh, mixed martial arts, that is something you pick that is not something that's forced on you can you imagine if like I was your coach and say oh Chris I want you to do ballet right now right that, that is your that is Oof. your response that is your responsibility and yeah that's a different set of responsibility if, let's mm. just say in, even though you would be good at it it may not as may not be as satisfying as you going into uh, MMA and not being mm. as good as you are at ballet you know because you satisfy you derive the satisfaction from picking your own responsibility and then fulfilling it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think just one thing to add there as well, like a very like it just popped up in my head because uh, last week I was I was obviously speaking to my parents about you know, their parenting skills and how I actually envy the parenting skills and one day I would like to emulate the parenting skills. Um, but it's like another example here uh, where like out um, of this will sound crude, and for dear listeners out there, if you had you know, uh, a child, just, just bear with me. I'm just going to use this example. It's like, if you, if you had a kid that is that, that you did not expect to have. Okay. And it's like, a and it, it, and it wasn't even like a, we've tried it. It didn't happen. And then now we have a kid. It's like, Oh, great. You know, it's kind of like a one night stand and you had a kid. Um, mm-hmm. That responsibility was not given to you and you did not make that choice. And mm-hmm. so generally those parents would then be like, really really shit parents in, in most of the cases that i've spoken to like people and, and all that kind of stuff 
Whereas when when uh, they are when I guess when, when two people a couple are intending to have kids, um, you know, and, and the kid does come along, it it does tend to seem that the um, that the satisfaction of the parent uh, and I guess the internal drive to sort of like raise their child as their own and sort of like you know give them out to the world as the best as they can, you know, like and, and once the kid goes out, it's like oh I'm satisfied. Whereas if like there is a parent who had that sort of quote unquote unexpected child or you know unexpected uh responsibility sort of like just dumped onto them it's like what the fuck man like this is not me and they kind of like screw up the kid and you get obviously all these problems so that was just like an interesting thought that uh came across my head <laughs> yeah and i i definitely agree it's it, essentially boys boil down to picking your path right so i think if we were to summarize the whole kind of like podcast just to close it up it's like cool right uh, prison was wasn't, in a way, right? Like sort of like, in a way, prison. I wouldn't say prison was the path you pick, but so whatever you pick, <laughs> I hope let, not. <laughs> let, let you there, right? But yeah. now, well, I can't, I can't swear, yeah. yeah, I mean, like I would say, like if just say like you had a choice, right? After what you did to go to prison or not to go, you would most people would choose not to go, right? So. Yeah. But after that, when you came out of prison, everything you have done so far is you really picking your path, right? So having that responsibility, mm-hmm. bearing that responsibility and fulfilling it, you know. So I think that that really boils down the whole like, uh, like the the entire theme of the podcast. So we usually uh, end our podcast with one question. We ask all our guests, and if we were to boil things back or take things back to square one, right? If someone mm-hmm. were to choose a drastic change or something like a drastic change, whether it's a life change or um, maybe a change in like uh, education, career, or even uh, giving up something that, like for you, like powerlifting. What is, what is something that they should think about uh, when it comes to weighing out the options, like taking it back to square one. What what is that thing that they have to think about? Oh, every single podcast throws a bloody question at the end day eh, like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, I need, I need a second. So this can be at any point in my life, right? Yes. Yeah. As long it's a big yeah. change, right? It can be anything. Like massive. Yeah. So going back to when I went to prison, because prison was a choice for me, I, I robbed the dairy in order to get caught to go to prison um, because of the headspace that I was in back then. So if I could go back with the knowledge that I know now about what you can do, I would enroll myself into university instead of going and robbing that dairy. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I think... Honest. Yeah, that that's that's great. I think you know it just tells our listeners right that there are better options out there, right? You know, you it's always an option. Yeah, yeah. That, so there's always an option. Yeah, that's all. Mm. And at the end of the day, change would happen, but we can determine where whether that change uh, would be good or not. So yeah, I I mm. I appreciate that uh, thought, and I definitely uh, appreciate your time coming on the podcast. So thank you very much. For all our listeners out there, uh, I hope that this episode has been beneficial for you. You know, uh, but before we go, let everybody know, Chris, where can people find you? Uh, should they want to keep up with uh, what you're currently doing? Um, or oh, I'm actually just about to deactivate my Instagram for a while. Um, but normally, when I'm back, I'm on my Instagram account is Chris Powerlips. Um, otherwise, I. Uh, Facebook, yeah, community on Facebook, which is public as well. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the main handles at the moment. 
Cool. Thank you very much for your time. And for all the listeners out there, if you like this episode, make sure you like, subscribe, drop us a comment, a rating, you know, and if you have any thoughts on what you want to hear in our future episodes, do let us know as well. And we'll catch you all next time. Thank you.